What's going on, Trivia Kids? It is an awesome show today. We're recapping this weekend. We're talking a little college football playoffs, a little NFL. It's a great episode. We have a new guest, new player on the show, Adam Liddell, good friend from college. It's an absolute awesome show. He's going to be back on. Hope you guys like it. And as always, thank you for your support. And let's go. Trevor Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is November 17th. It is a Wednesday episode, a little different for us here, but we have brought on a new guest, somebody that has not been introduced to the Trevor Kids world yet. I went to college with him, very good friend, extremely knowledgeable in all sports, and that is why we're bringing him on. Mr. Adam Liddell, how are we doing good, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for bringing me on, Nate. I've, oh. uh, I've been following you on Twitter for a few months now, so uh, I'm excited to join. I'm very excited. We're going to talk about a bunch of different things. we got some topics to talk about. We are going to finish, just for the viewers, a little Xavier, Ohio State, which honestly, low-key one of the better out-of-conference matchups that I don't think most people are talking in college basketball. But we are two Xavier alums, but I think we're going to have a, a good one there. It won't be too homery, because uh, I think there's going to be some negativity headed the Musketeers' way. Just a little bit. Yeah, we talked on a little pregame show, and it was uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see where we go. But I think first things first, we had a major sporting event this week that I am not too familiar with as a whole, but I know you are into in the U.S. soccer team to me. So talk to me real quick, because I, I think the listeners as well need a little refresher. Are we actually good at soccer right now? Because I, I know Christian Polznik or whatever, and I'm not talking good Polsich. like we're winning anything. I'm terrible with last names, but like there's a buzz in the air when we watch it. It was in Cincinnati. Everybody was talking about it. Talk to me right now where we are here in this. So I'll start that I'm also from Cincinnati. So just in general... Friday was incredible on a national stage as we had the U.S. men's national team playing in Cincinnati for the first time ever. Cincinnati Bearcats football team was on national TV. Xavier Musketeers were on national TV all on the same night. Um, being from a smaller town, not that Cincinnati's like some rokey doke <laughs> Wyoming town or anything like that, but it was cool to watch my city on the big stage. Um, as far as the U.S. US men's national team goes, we're okay. Um, in regards to North America, we are probably the most talented team. A oh, lot God. of the Mexican headlines um, after the game on Friday uh, were kind of saying, you know, maybe it's time Mexico's run being the best team in North America is over. Maybe it's USA's time to be the new giant. Um, we beat them three times in the last six months, them being Mexico. That has not happened in a single calendar year since 1937. So this is like major like territory for the u.s <laughs> yeah. um but major problem like i want to like put it into a, another sports metaphor but we are just super young the okay. average starting the average starting age on the u.s men's national team today as we played jamaica was 22 years old Oof. nate i don't know what you were doing at 22 years old <laughs> but it was not playing on the national stage no so, <laughs> i never my life together <laughs> exactly i think that goes the same for me <laughs> Um, so we just have a ton of young, talented guys all playing in Europe, which is great. That's what we want. That's um, what I've heard. I don't, yeah. The last generation had a lot of older veterans, 
playing in the United States. They were slower. Um, they were at a different stage of their life. They were 34 years old. They were starting families. Um, and I don't, I mean, I'm sure, you know, we missed the last world cup. That's like the big <laughs> yes. thing on everyone's mind. That's where I was going that next. Like, why, are we, yeah. are we in competition mode here? We're like, we're making it and we're looking competitive, but we're not, don't get too far ahead we're of your skis. We're not there yet. So to break it simply, we have six games left. We're the top of the table right now, which just means we're the top of the seven group table. You play every team twice. We have six games left. If we win three of those six, we're probably in the World Cup, which we should do. I like that. All right. But I can get into that. Four years ago, actually, yeah, five, yeah, four years ago, we were in this spot in the same position, and everyone was like, we're fine. No need to worry. And then we lost at home to Costa Rica, and then we lost to Trinidad Tobago. I remember that one. The jokes on Twitter were, were full. It was bad. Yeah. Like, it, it, being born and raised in Cincinnati, I've had a lot of bad sports moments in my life. That was maybe the worst. Missing the World Cup should never happen with the United States. Um, and I don't think it will this go around. Um, but we're not there yet. All right. Good to know. I like that. How we look tonight? Not bad. Mm. We we scored early. I thought we were just going to handle business. And then I'm a West Ham fan in England, and West Ham's best player just became Jamaican, like, literally two months ago, so that he could try to go for the World Cup with Jamaica. Um, he was born and raised in England, but there's all these weird FIFA laws that, like, if your parents are born in another country, you can apply for citizenship there. Long story short, my team's best player scored the goal of his life. And we ended up tying one to one, like literally the best goal I've ever seen him score. So I'll take it in the end. It's a point. We were on the road. Yeah, could have got better, but that's OK. I like that. I'm starting to perk up. Like, I, th I feel like most Americans of myself that are we, we tune in every once in a while. And I had to we have yep. to get a little bit more familiar with this team because all I keep hearing is like, this could be our golden age of soccer. This is the team that can like I don't think anybody's having illusions. We're going to win a World Cup. But like we're gonna be very competitive and it's gonna be fun and like that that yep. I like like it's yep. nice to get into five it years from now we host the World Cup joint with Mexico I will tell you right now that is the chance in our lifetime if the U S is ever going to make a run in the World Cup it will be that we have this I'm telling you about all these 22 year olds yep. it will be 27 it's at home Pulisic will be in the prime of his career and hopefully we'll have a few other Pulisic's. Because right now, he's just the guy, but we have right. a guy named Gio Reyna, Timothy Musa's 18, um, Wea, Zimmerman, Stefan, Dest, like guys playing for Barcelona, Juventus. Um, this is like guys going to Kentucky in college basketball, guys going to Duke in college basketball. That's where our 18-year-olds are going. So um, we have talent. Market in the back of your mind, 2026. That's our chance. Oh, don't worry. We're going to bookmark this, and it is going to be put out <laughs> everywhere. Five if this works. Now, yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like that. All right. A little soccer talk to get it off, but now let's get to our bread and butter football. And we're going to start the NFL because the NFL is an absolute, I don't even want to say mess, but it kind of is. It's just a cluster of teams. I mean, Across the board, I think it's hard to pinpoint one team. Like, I feel like most years we've got, like, one or two teams. It's a little bit maybe clear on the NFC. I don't know what your opinion is. But the AFC is a just, I mean, it's going to come down to the absolute wire with these teams. There's there's no consistency week to week at this point. But we're getting into the months where good football needs to be played. And we kind of got to separate some teams. Give me your first, like, overview before we dig into it of just the AFC in general and maybe the context of football as you see it right now in the NFL. 
Because it's been absolutely crazy. (laughs) It's been insane. And the AFC right now, in a way that I've never seen a conference before, like growing up, the AFC was Roethlisberger, Manning, Brady. They ruled it. It was one of those teams was making the Super Bowl every year. And then somehow Joe Flacco still won. But we won't get into that. (laughs) Now, because there's so much quarterback talent in the AFC, week by week, there's a new team leading the headlines. And I really don't know what to think of it. Like, I think the Titans are the one seed right now at 82. Um, And they've ripped off some crazy wins that you would have preseason been like, they have no business winning these games. (laughs) But do you trust the Titans at all to win the AFC? I will say their defense, I've been really hard on them. Defense is playing sneakily good football right now. Like, when you look at them, they're playing better. But, no, I do not trust them long term at all. (laughs) And and I, I don't know. I mean, to make a broader football statement, I don't know how important Derrick Henry is. I don't know how important any running back is, but he is definitely their best football player. I would, um, and I maybe he'll be back for the playoffs. We don't really know, but um, I don't trust an eight and two Titans team. No, and I made the comment. I don't think it's all that crazy to put him Derrick Henry as far as an importance to a team. He is probably the most important non-quarterback player to a team in the NFL, maybe. I think he's, he's, I tried to went through it. Like I'm definitely you, at running back. If you take away, yeah, the quarterback position, I don't know another player that is as important to what they're trying to do as maybe Derrick Henry. Now I'm not saying like yeah, the I, best non-quarterback, but as far as what they're trying to do, it does feel like he just elevates that team to a whole nother level. Do you, do you remember what he was on the NFL top 100? Was he like four? Uh, Am I crazy for saying there, that? Dude. I mean, he's averaging. He was like, really high. Yeah. Let me see. I feel up, like the. Pro football focus answer to this question has been Aaron Donald for seven years. It's like yeah. it's always Aaron Donald's the most important. Um, I thought, or I think we have seen over the last few years what the 49ers are and aren't with Kittle. Um, like yeah. I, he is super high on my list. Very high, yes. Um, with him, they've made the Super Bowl. Without him, they're utterly useless on offense. <laughs> it's and a lot of that's on Garoppolo, but still, Kittle yeah. plays a part in that too. You are right, number four. It's good memory. Yeah, Tom, he was four. 10 last year, number four this year. And, I, I mean, physically he's built like no other player I've ever oh, seen in my life. He's a def- defensive lineman running at yeah. running back speed. It's insane. <laughs> You'd break you remember, your body if you ran into him. He's insane. Uh, if you remember Brandon Jacobs with the Giants all those years mm-hmm. ago when they were making the Super Bowl runs, oh, yeah. he's built like Brandon Jacobs, but he runs like Dalvin Cook. Dude, it's insane. It's, it, it doesn't make sense. So AFC in general, um, I think there's just a ton of good quarterbacks in a way that the league has never seen before. Like I'm just going team by team. Over half of the teams, quote unquote, have their guy. Yeah. Like in in the NFL, that's super rare. Um, I mean, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, all technically have their guy. Ravens, Bengals, Browns, all have their guy. You could say that Tannehill, the Titans guy. Like I feel like Tannehill's going to be their quarterback for the next yeah five years. I mean, he's played. Ex- exceptionally well in that system compared to what he was. I mean, it's it's night and day when you right. look at him. All right, question for you, New England guy. Do the <laughs> Patriots have their guy? I think so. I would say yes. Now, there's been a lot of talk about is he the next Brady, which, I mean, everybody, I think everybody made that Who joke is? about the dra- yeah, uh, yeah. when he got drafted, like, oh, here we go. You can't say that. Brady's a diamond a dozen. Uh, but... 
I mean, he's play, they've done a what I I was getting on them, and I think people forgot is how hard it is to make adjustments as a rookie quarterback. Like we've been so spoiled with the Justin Herberts of the world who just stepped into the league day one and just ripped it. But even when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he had to sit behind Alex Smith for a year, and then he slowly kind of came around. And the teachers did a really good job of not giving him a ton early in the season. They kept it really simple and just kind of waded him into the water. And now, I mean, you can't look at that game and not say he's processing at a high level. He's making some incredible throws at a high level. Now, the NFL is week to week, year to year, so we'll see. But I think he has all the makings to be the guy and to be a force in New England which the rest of the world's going to hate because this team, like, if you have a guy who doesn't um, turn over the ball. Everybody wants play. you guys to suck, I'm going to be honest. Like, yeah. you guys have had enough. Well, th- the other thing, too, is it's funny because people are throwing around, like, game manager as, it, as if it's a bad thing with him, and it's like, that's exactly what you need to do in New England. You need to be able to make the throws when you need to make them and not turn over the ball when you don't need to make them. That's the whole job of quarterback, essentially, yeah. outside of, like, a so, handful of teams. <laughs> on On that level, if... I'll give you two guys. Like, who would you rather he be? Would you rather he be, like, an Alex Smith type or, like, a Ryan Tannehill type? Because those are, like – I know Probably Tannehill's Tannehill. more athletic than he is. So, you I, know, you, like, I see Jones as, like, Smith. Like – I think he is probably more like that, but I'd want him to be more like Tannehill because at least Tannehill pushes the ball down the field. Like, Tannehill will take some yeah. shots in the field. Last year, he was like, I think he was the second highest rated quarterback with plus 20 yard throws. Like, he can shock me. Right? Oh, it's I'm shocking. Learning something. Yeah. I'll have to when find... I think of Tannehill, I think of all medium, like pretty conservative throws. I haven't looked but at guess... the numbers this year, but I'll pull it up because I have it bookmarked somewhere because it. My jaw dropped when I saw that stat preseason in my like workload, oh, but wild. it yeah, like he can push the ball down the field. Now it generally has to come off play action, but yeah, I'd rather him than Tannehill. Who had... that's yeah, that's a lot of guys. But like yeah. to me, and when I saw Jones play for the first few times, I was like, I feel like this is an Alex Smith type of guy. Um, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I mean, I trust the system he's in. Yeah, how can you not? There's at no this point. There's no better system to be in. He has no nameable wide receivers. No. It's Which, all, I mean, I, I, I like Hunter Henry, but... It, I mean, it, that's where it's hard not to kind of see some of the parallels to Brady, especially in the early days. I mean, eventually Brady, yeah, Brady yeah, yeah. Moss, and Aaron Hernandez, and Gronk, and they developed insane weapons. But, like, in the early days, it, it is hard not to see some of the comparisons. But, like, we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time and a kid who... Let's see what he does over the course of a year once defenses start maybe keying in on some of his cadence. But right now, it's a great start. You couldn't ask for anything better in that situation. Now, there are other young yeah. situations like the Joe Burrow situation that you've got that I like a hell of a lot better, but it's pretty damn good yeah. if you're So that's what I'm fan. thinking in my head is like, you know, I, I love Burrow. I've loved what I've seen. He's making a ton of mistakes. That's fine. He's young. But I think Jamar Chase is already an elite receiver. I think Tyler Boyd is an elite slot receiver, whether or not anyone else in the country thinks that is different i think t higgins is solid he's not great mixon as your running back a decent offensive line this year um i feel like burrow could be playing better whereas mac jones i feel like is already playing to his peak maybe i'm too pessimistic about it like you said the league's week to week three weeks ago the Bengals were five and two and they beat the ravens by four touchdowns <laughs> yeah how the times have changed i mean how the times have changed it's now all freak out mode who are we drafting let's keep our eyes on sauce Gardner. Like, like you said, the league is so week to week that if the Bengals beat the Raiders on Sunday, 
Um, I think the entire narrative in Cincinnati will be very different very quickly. Now, do you want – here's a good question because I've gone back and forth. I have not been a big fan of his. Some other people in Cincinnati disagree with it. But if you all keep winning, you're keeping Zach Taylor. Do you want Zach Taylor as your head coach? Because there's a part of me that's like there is a lot there. There's a lot of talent there. I wasn't a draft chase guy. I was a, a draft uh, Suell guy. But like, So was I. Clearly that has worked out. It's not unworking out with the Lions too. He's playing good football for the Lions. Chase is playing exceptional football. You have all the weapons. The problem is, do you want Zach Taylor around? Because if you keep winning, he's staying around. If you lose, there's a chance that he's so gone. There's maybe similar to our later discussion with Xavier basketball. Everything that I see as far as a culture goes, Taylor has done an exceptional job. He weeded out a lot of the old veterans of Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, AJ Green, Dalton, yep. very key person. Um, that were really the Marvin Lewis generation, yep. or at least Marvin Lewis part two after the Carson Palmer generation. Um, he kind of got rid of all of that and everything that we see from the leaders of the team, which is Mix and Jesse Bates, Chase now, Joe Burrow. Like from a culture wise, everybody seems to like playing for Taylor. He seems to be a good guy. Um, now, results wise, I haven't loved his first three years. I hated to hire when it happened. Yep. Um, the closest thing he had ever been to an offensive coordinator at a legitimate place was the offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati, hired by now Senator idiot Tommy Tuberville. <laughs> um, so like, and he it, that Cincinnati team was atrocious. The offense was atrocious. I didn't like him then. I didn't like the hire. Three years in, I think he's coming back next year, unless something horrific happens in the last few months. Um, but I feel the same way as Xavier basketball. I, I don't hate the guy at all. I actually really like the guy. I like the culture, but the X's and O's, I'm not convinced he's he's a Super Bowl or a Final Four type of guy. No, I mean, I hated it last year. Joey Burrow had the most dropbacks last year with the worst offensive line, and he got him absolutely killed. Like, it, it, situationally, he's not great. He's terrible on the road. I don't. He had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay, and that made him an eligible head coach. But. To your point, there does seem to be a bit of a culture fit. It's just, it's you're in that weird spot where it sucks because there are people like Joe Brady out there, Brian Dables of the world, who are going to get a lot of attention. And if it doesn't work out, you may blow a window with Joe Burrow with one of those guys could be a better tool to, to get to him to his ultimate peak performance. And if you remember, like, I, I sincerely thought Eric Bieniemy was going to be the hire. Now, yeah. I thought Eric Bieniemy would then go on to be the hire at, like, five other places and it hasn't happened. Um, but yeah, it, I, I don't know. The Bengals and the Brown family kept Marvin Lewis for 17 years. Yeah, they I don't, don't like think, I don't think they like change. I don't think they're moving on from Taylor, no matter what happens in the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, his road record is something to speak of. I mean, he had won one road game in his first two seasons. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really pathetic. Uh, in late game situations, we've seen time and time again, he makes the wrong decisions. Um, maybe a little bit of that has changed this year, but yeah, and honestly, the Bengals are keeping him. That's what's going to happen. The Brown family likes him, I think, and the culture's a fit. So, yeah. All right. Well, that works. I did find it. 2020, last year, Ryan Tannehill was the third best or third most accurate quarterback on balls deeper than 20 yards. <laughs> All right. See, I'm shocked. All right, then I, I think Max Jones, Alex Smith is not the worst comp. And we forget no. Alex 
Alex Smith was a play away from making the Super Bowl with the 49ers. 100%. And with that type of a roster, Mac Jones Pe- could win a Super Bowl. We've got intoxicated with these Kyle Murrays, Justin Herberts, Patrick Mahomes. And don't get me wrong, phenomenal quarterbacks are going to win a lot of games, going to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you saw it with Patrick Mahomes. But, like, there is still a spot on certain teams for that kind of guy that keeps control of the game and makes a throw when you need him to make a throw and makes the smart play and, like, does things that are intelligent, not that these guys aren't making intelligent plays, but are more kind of that game manager stereotype. Like, there's still a place for them in this league. You just have to be incredibly good at that. Um, and you can still win a lot of football games. <laughs> Andy Dalton has, I think, as an overall quarterback, an above 500 record, and he's made $150 million in his career. Yeah. There is a place for a game I mean, manager. Hell, Jimmy Garoppolo is one overthrow ball away from potentially winning a Super Bowl. Like, And he's, quote-unquote, a game manager. Right. Now, I think Mac Jones is going to be better than both those guys. Um, yeah. But yeah. I agree. Speaking of the AFC, and we've kind of touched on some of the younger guys, the division that's probably getting the most attention, and I do, I'd be interested to see what your take is on kind of how that's going to shake out. The AFC West, we've got takes from the cha- or the Chiefs are back, the Chargers are now falling, the Raiders are finding their equilibrium and kind of coming back down to earth, the Broncos are one week looking like a juggernaut and just beat, clubbing to death the Cowboys, and then last week just looking completely lost in space. Um where does this division because I think this has the most interest right now. Yeah. AFC South is probably pretty wrapped up. NFC North's gonna yep. be a battle, but this has got talent littered over a ton of rosters. How do you see that one shaking out? I probably see the division shaking out in the same way that I think everyone would rank the quarterbacks in the division. That's Mahomes, fair. Herbert, Carr, Bridgewater. And I see that's probably how it's going to shake out. Now, the Chiefs' defense looked to be, like, maybe the 32nd-ranked defense in the league three weeks ago. Terrible. <laughs> um, they were much better on Sunday night. Um, holding, I mean, the Raiders' offense has been really good. Obviously, they lost their biggest playmaker yep. um, to off-the-field issues. Um, but still, I trust the Raiders' offense to be good. And to hold them to 14 points is something – from a defense that I thought legitimately might be the worst defense in the NFL. 100%. Um, and when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, I'm always going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We've seen nothing but year in and year out, he's closed seasons at a high level. Yeah. Um, so that's what I see playing out. Rank them as you would rank the quarterbacks. I don't hate that. I, I, I've been saying it maybe now for like the last two, three weeks ish that the Chiefs defense is slowly turning the corner. Like they're slowly figuring things out. They're never going to be an outstanding defense. They were built to kind of play with a lead and make sure that teams don't just catch up and burn you. Um, And they haven't been playing with leads. But the Ingram hire or signing was, in my opinion, ginormous because it allows Jones to move inside where he is way more dominant. You get legit pressure. Um, which allows your guys to play a little freer on the back end. And it's it's firming up a little bit. It's not you're not gonna be we're not gonna be sitting here like, oh my god, look at this Chiefs defense. They're the greatest defense in the world. But we are gonna be sitting there. They here don't like, need to be. No, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, they're competitive and complete. And if you do something stupid, they'll take advantage of it. And that's where you need them. It, am I right in saying that the Steelers let Ingram walk? Yeah. For nothing. Like I know I like I liked the signing preseason. I really liked Ingram as a player. The ste- I was just like, oh, that's such a Steelers signing. Yeah. Um, I think it's also a great signing by the Chiefs. Huge. Like, there's 
there's like five organizations in the league that consistently make those types of decisions. Like I put New Orleans on that list. I put Kansas City on that list. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Patriots for years have picked up mid-season or right at the beginning of the season type of signing that eventually makes a difference. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I apologize. They got a six-round pick from that. They made a trade and made the six-round pick. That's right. Yeah, six-round picks are over. Let yeah. them walk. <laughs> yeah. Let them walk. Um, I'm with you. I also think the Chargers, the coaching situation, we want to talk about a bad coaching situation. They are messing up a good thing. Now, that's not to say that I don't think they're, like, Stanley I think is fantastic and great. It's really the OC and what they're doing with Justin Herbert. I don't know if you watched their last couple games, but this is a team that seems to forget that they have big playmakers in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams who are get down the field, not kind of short short routes, yards after the catch, wide receivers, and they just throw everything short of the sticks. I mean, Justin Herbert has one of the lowest intended um, yards per pass play in the league right now. And it's... With, with Keenan and Mike Williams, that's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely, like, it's almost criminal. I got to pull it up. He, I think he was like, when I looked it up, he was like 30th or something like that. It was shocking, to say the least. Um, so I, I am... I'm a little I love the Chargers. They can't stop a nosebleed when it comes to the run, but like I think they're messing up a good thing this year. And we'll see if they get it together. They obviously have time, but I'm with you. I kinda like the way you're ranking that. Um big picture. I see the Chargers honestly in a similar situation to the Bengals, where this is a good year, but two to three years from now is that's the next three years are your window. Yep, exactly. That's when you gotta hit. I agree. You gotta pay that quarterback. Yep. Hundred percent agree with that. Um and you got to just change the offense. It feels like because Strolling Artie, who's the Saints' offense coordinator, it feels like he forgot that he has a young, insanely talented guy who can push down the field. Yeah, Justin Herbert, out of 34 qualifying quarterbacks who have attempts over 100 yards or 100 attempts, he ranks currently 29th in intended air yards per pass. Yeah, that's that's insane. Where's Tannehill? Tannehill is only 21, which is bad, at 7.5. But we'll see what his completed yards are. I also think that that passing offense has been hindered by the fact that Julio isn't what they thought he was going to be when they signed him. A hundred percent. Completely agree. But they're eight and two. So whatever. Yeah. They're doing something right. Not terrible. Um, big picture NFL before we move on to college football. Do you think there's a team that's super like, I feel like there's a bunch of teams. I don't have one. We didn't really touch the NFC. I mean, the Packers are looking incredibly complete. My bucks are floundering everywhere in which direction it doesn't feel like anybody's really breaking broken from the pack and we can sit here today at least in my opinion i don't know what you think two two weeks ago i was all in on the rams and the last two weeks the offense has been in i mean compliment the titans defense um but i was shocked when i turned on the game yesterday and it was 31 to 7 san francisco (laughs) yeah that is not the same los angeles rams offense i've watched for the first 10 weeks of the season. Um, but I, I mean, I, obviously the Robert Woods injury hurts. I don't know how much Odell's going to bring in right away. Yeah. Um, minus the Rams. I, lo- I mean, if Kyler's not healthy, I don't love the Cardinals. I think the Packers are what they've been for the last few years. And that's good. Really, really good. Are they good enough to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Um, and then honestly, I, I sincerely really like the Cowboys. The Broncos game, I, I think, too. was just a weird, weird anomaly. But, like, I think Dak is playing as well as any quarterback in the league. Their defense creates so many turnovers. Um, Zeke is probably at the end of his, like, 
peak abilities. I don't disagree um, with that. I, to, yeah. So if there's the time to do it for the Cowboys, this is probably it. I really like their roster top to bottom, and I love Dak. Yeah. Like, I, I just think Dak is like a top five guy right I'm now. with you. I'm 100% yeah. with you on that. I do. I, I hate saying it because I was ragging on the Cowboys coming into the season because I hate the coaching staff. I feel like it's just a moment before oh, Mike McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, he's going to mess <laughs> the whole thing up. I'm like, this dude is just waiting to tie his shoelaces together and trip all over himself in a big moment. So I like was like bet the house against him, but they have proved me wrong. I mean, they nailed the Michael Parsons pick at this point. I mean, he's the third highest graded um, pressure guy right now in the NFL through week, 10 weeks, according to PFF. He's awesome. Awesome. He's awesome. This defense, you nailed it. Turnovers, and you, you never want to like completely rely on turnovers because that's like it's like a team that relies too much on the three, which we'll talk about in our financial yeah. team. Like It comes and goes, but they just they do a lot of things right. They don't have an insane elite defense, but they're good enough in the offense. I mean, once they get rolling, it's, it's almost impossible to stop at this point, it looks like, because Dak is literally playing out of his mind. Yep. Yeah. And I think CD Lamb is rounding into becoming a top five ish wide receiver around there. Um, Amari Cooper, I think, is coming back. I don't know what his injury situation is. I haven't looked at that in a minute, but yeah. But I mean, be. either way, they I don't I don't know if they were ever stopped this weekend, and that's without Cooper. I, I love the Cowboys. They're probably my pick in the NFC. Um obviously the NFC is way more top heavy than the AFC, which is yeah, I mean a shit show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we're looking probably at a rematch of that awesome divisional game from a few years ago, Cowboys Packers late in the season. I do um, too. I mean, we've seen through the years, awesome Cowboys Packers games in the playoffs. I think we'll be seeing another one of them. Yep. I think that will be, it'll be, it'll be interesting when it comes down to it, but I'm very excited for the NFL season. I don't know if you have anything else before we move on to college football. I'll give you, all right, Perfect. Let's talk a little college football. Let's talk a little college football playoffs because it is at this point I've dubbed it the invitational, which I don't think is shocking to anybody. I mean, it's, it's about the money. The committee so, so badly wants to put Notre Dame in and is keeping them around. The rankings came out. Nothing changed from last week in the top seven. Um, it's Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State in your top four. Then you got UC sitting at five, Michigan, Michigan State, six, seven. I don't I'm going to leave you the floor right now. I, I don't know. Like, we just ignore, need to expand this damn team. thing. But, like, it's just – it's ridiculous how they're handling it. It's it, – I really, really wish years ago when they came up with the playoff, they would have just said, this is going to be a group of five playoff. Yeah. We're going to create a Division One a which is going to be your – through the years, it's like – I remember Northern Illinois went undefeated one year, but it's going to be like your – UCFs, your UCs, um, any of those, bo I mean, for years it was Boise State, but those teams, you're playing for something else. <laughs> you, you aren't invited. Just yeah. tell them up front, you're playing for something else. Don't dangle it in front of them. Um, we've seen those types of teams win, or uh, I mean, in Cincinnati's case last year, played Georgia close. Um, I would just rather see one of those teams get a chance. 100%. Then watch Oklahoma get drubbed by 30 again. Yeah. Um, but not even I mean, beyond the point of what game I want to watch. If a team goes onto the road, beats Notre Dame, first time they've lost at home, I think it was in four years. Yep. Notre Dame is still, that's the only loss on their resume. Now, I know a lot of Notre Dame fans that think this Notre, team, Notre Dame team sucks. Same. But that's legitimately because 
Notre Dame's level of play is it's high under yeah. Kelly. Like they oh. never lose more than two games ever. It's incredible. They're so spoiled. They have no idea how good they have it right now with Brian Kelly. Because like, do they remember what their childhood was? Do they remember Charlie Weiss? <laughs> yeah. Those teams didn't make bowls. Like Notre Dame had nothing ten years ago, and they also fifteen years. They ago. also to fail to recognize that they are on a recruit. Like they have a hand tied behind their back recruiting wise because of their standards. And Brian Kelly is still like, yeah, they get their ass whooped in the playoff, but hell, that's like every team ranked four every year. Like, <laughs> okay, so if you don't root, like, it's the college football fandom is insane. If you don't root for Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, you're basically disappointed in your team year in year out. Yeah. Like, it, the system that we've created is absurd. Oh. It's literally absurd. I mean, this is the dumbest story. We were texting about it the other week. Like, this is a sport that used to have writers decide the national champion. Like, the one and two team didn't even used to play. Like, they had writers write in after the bowl season be like, There was no national championship <laughs> game in the 80s. Yeah. It just ended. <laughs> they came up with a winner. This, this, it's this an sport insane has sport. been run. I mean, we've seen the NCAA screw up a million things. There's yes. nothing as public that they've screwed up as the college football playoff or the BCS rankings, whatever system you want to come Dude. up with. They've <laughs> failed time and time again. Yes. hundred percent agree. I mean, if we expand it now, the 12 seems aggressive because that's what they're talking about. I, I don't hate it. Like an expansion is just better at this point. I think eight is probably right. You get your power fives all in. And then I say the top ranked group of other colleges. And then, Two at large just makes sense large. to me. Yep. Twelve feels a little because there is a pretty steep drop off. I think it might create more parity in the sport because guys don't have to go to Alabama if they want to win a national championship or Clemson or Ohio State, so they may stay home in their home state and compete in an Oregon or a Michigan State or whoever. Um, but yeah, it is crazy. Do you think UC has a chance to make it this year? Uh, oh, I'm keeping. I, I literally keep every week what needs to happen, and I send a text <laughs> to my I send a text to my friends, and every time they go, stop getting your hopes up. But here's the road: the road is this. Oregon plays at Utah. Yep. Lost. Oregon has to lose. Yep. I think it already. I have a future out in Utah, so I do have a betting interest in that. But like, I think they're losing that game in Utah. I, weirdly, Utah is this weird place to play. Dude, where insane I like home field advantage. Teams. Yeah, amazing home field advantage. The red out every time, massive stadium, always sold out. Yep. Uh, Mormons are nuts yeah. in many ways, but they love their Utes. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go Oregon loses to Utah. Last day of the season, Alabama has to lose to Georgia, obviously, because that will knock them out, hopefully. Yep, um, hopefully. And right now, I think that sets up Cincinnati to get in. I agree. I I've been saying it. I'm not going to damper your spirits because I've been saying they're getting this year. This is the year they're going to do it because it's sort of a wide open field, which I actually have a theory that I'm going to throw out for the first time. I want to see if you can check me on it a little bit or not. But I do think UC gets in because I, I see it exactly how you said it. I don't think Alabama's beaten Georgia. Unless something crazy happens in that game or there's a crazy injury. Alabama has legitimate issues. Huge issues. Offensive line issues. The defense can be got in the secondary. There is, and Georgia is an elite team. They're the, probably the only elite team in the country right now, which I don't think For is sure. shocking anybody, um, especially if you've been listening to this show. I do think Oregon's going to drop a game because they're going to, they might have to play Utah twice. I, I haven't looked at the, the Pac 12 standings recently, but like there's a chance that they might even catch them again in the. Pac-12, depending on how that shapes out, but they don't have an easy road. Their back-end schedule kind of sucks. Um, and so that opens it up. I don't think Ohio State's dropping a game, so they're going to get it. The Big Ten's going to get their champion, period. Big Ten? I, I was texting an Ohio State friend today saying, 
you guys are getting in. That's the Big Ten team. I'm not like I'm already yeah. counting them in the SEC champion in. And yeah, unless something crazy happens, but those are your two spots. Now it gets interesting though, because there's your opportunity. Unless or if less Oregon wins the Pac-12 and wins out, okay, there's your third spot. But now there is a free spot because Alabama's lost two games. You would think that matters. You would think that the fact that the committee has ranked Notre Dame in the top 10 since the beginning of the rankings this year, Cincinnati is the only team to this point that has a top 10 win. Minus Oregon. Minus Oregon and Michigan State. State. There's three. There's three. Sorry, three, which I said last week. Michigan State beat Michigan. Oregon's got a top 10 win, obviously, in Ohio State. And UC's got a top 10 win on the road. That has to matter. It has to also matter. They have two guys on defense that are probably going to be first-round picks. They've got a quarterback who's going to be up there. Who knows where he'll fall? They have a history of a very good coach who, anytime we talk about a big job, is mentioned. They're a well-coached team. Like, yes, they have faltered a little bit here, which I actually will get to in a second, but I am 100%. I think they get in this year because I do not think that Alabama's winning the SEC championship, and I don't think Oregon's winning the Pac-12. It, I sincerely hope you're right. What could screw all of the talk up is Cincinnati faltering, which isn't impossible. It's not. It really is not. But I got to hope they're going to do has, it. Their offense has so many issues. Yep. It, they lost Jerome Ford, who was the key to the running game. Um, he's supposed to be coming back, which would help. Um, they could definitely lose this Saturday. Yeah. Um, then they're going to have to play. It looks like, I believe, Houston already clinched the other side. Yep. So if they were to be undefeated, they would play Houston in Cincinnati, um, which if anyone watched the AAC title game last <laughs> year, which probably not many people did, that came down to literally the last play of the game. So this Cincinnati team, and I think it's maybe just the Luke Fickle era in general, doesn't have like the strongest offense to put teams away. No, like yeah. The last three weeks, They've been up two touchdowns with 10 minutes left, and they just haven't put the team away. Yep, which is um, crazy because they do have talent. Like, Pickens they, or whatever. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, they've got good talent on offense. It's crazy that they can't put it together week to week. Yeah, so I, I think the most realistic scenario is that one of the things that we talk about goes wrong and Cincinnati misses. Correct. That's, like, I, I, that's my pessim- pessimistic side coming out. Um, but if everything goes right, there's two slots open. There's an SEC champion, there's a Big Ten champion, and then there's two slots open. I think Cincinnati would sneak into one of them. I agree, if they go undefeated. Now, here's the thing that everybody wants to harp on, because it happened after the Tulsa game, and everybody's like, everybody kind of sucks this year. I'm not necessarily discrediting that, but if, what if we're looking at this completely wrong? It does not feel like anybody is mentioning the fact that Unless you were Alabama and Clemson or Ohio State who had enormous turnover due to last year, a ton of these teams are returning super seniors that would have had to graduate last year. Tulsa returned. They're just an example I'm going to use here because they have played three ranked teams extremely close at to a point. Ohio State eventually ran yeah. away with it. But that was close in the fourth quarter. Close, yes. They yeah. almost beat Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State only beat them by five. They returned 14 guys that would have had to have left college football last year had they not had there not been COVID. That means that, and that's not just there. There are programs across the country, not named Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, that have returned huge key players. That's an extra year in the weight room. That's an extra year watching film. That's an extra year with the guys. Are we maybe not looking at this in the right way where there's just more parity this year? Not necessarily everybody sucks, but similar to the NFL where everybody's just kind of a little bit better than they usually would be, and therefore it is making games closer and tougher 
and we just have the opinion because it's not college football and people aren't beating the brakes off of each other because they just have a giant gap in recruiting, that that actually kind of that extra year sort of closed the gap for some of these teams. And there are teams like Tulsa's that are hanging around in the game way more because of that edge. I, I agree completely, and I think we are going to see the same thing in college basketball because a ton of kids stayed. If you look at Xavier's roster, they're a prime example of it. Yep. But yet yeah, college football, college sports in general – Having an extra year is like such a huge advantage. Enormous. You can't, yeah, you can't under like you can't understate how big of an advantage getting literally twenty five percent of your career extended. <laughs> it's such a huge advantage to have seniors, let alone super seniors. Um, you know, it, it's not a take that I've heard before, but I really don't hate it when it comes to college. Like football. I think. I, I don't think that there is, like, obviously there are years where players, and we, you know, you see this throughout, like, where some classes are just insanely better than others. But I kind of think everybody's just kind of better. It's not so much that everybody sucks. Just everybody's kind of a little bit better this year. And that's yeah. playing a big factor. Windows are smaller. It, you know, the level of play is higher. Your margins for error are a little bit slimmer. And that makes a difference in the end result. Yep, yep. And I think something has to be said with that in mind that if you do go undefeated, you should get some recognition for that. And yeah. that, that is worth something. Especially in a sport that completely, because the way it's set up, completely discredits the idea that you can get better over the course of a season because you have to be on from the start. That's how this sport has yeah. always been designed. If you are if you even take a slight falter, you're penalized for it unless you're Alabama. But like that's how the sport's been built. So we can't all of a sudden just forget that and get amnesia and be like, that doesn't matter when that has literally been the most important thing, arguably in this sport for the, since we've been alive and longer than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> week one, I mean, week one had arguably the best matchup of the season going in with Georgia Clemson. Mm -hmm. Now imagine how much different the season is. If Georgia doesn't get that pick six early in the game and Clemson maybe wins that game. Oh. Clemson goes on to suck this season, which is shocking, but I know they've had a ton of turnover. We don't yeah. have to get into that, but yeah, the entire season landscape looks different because Georgia has been perfect since then, like literally perfect oh, since then. It's, um, it's incredible, so yeah. especially on defense. Like they're giving up. I think I saw, I got to relook it up, but I think it's like seven and a half points a game. The next closest is double that. <laughs> like, I mean, seven and a half points a game in modern college football. Yeah, they're, stupid. they're giving up an average rush per attempt of 2.5 yards. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Baffling and, to the brain. Yeah, and they're not playing in the Big Ten either. Like, it's not like they're facing Northwestern every week. It's legitimate oh. teams. Yeah, it's insane. Um, And their offense is rolling with Stenson Bennett. That's even the crazy part, too, is like they have a backup who stepped right in without missing a beat, essentially, because yeah. JT Daniels goes good. down. And just rips it off. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they're setting it up. Oklahoma State's got a chance to rip it off if they win. Yeah, out there. That's, that's the other thing I was going to bring up to you is could a Oklahoma State sneak in? Now, I, I do think Oklahoma State could easily falter against Oklahoma. But if Oklahoma State does finish undefeated. They got one me. loss, but, like, they, they're the Big Ten champ. They're at nine right now. There's a chance it they can sneak me. in. Yeah. It worries me. Yeah, I agree. Which is also crazy because, hey, everybody, Tulsa, the almost losing to Tulsa knocks UC out, but only beating Tulsa by five is Oklahoma State. Perfectly fine. I mean, I get it because you play a harder schedule, but, like, still. We, make, mean, we, we bend the rules for the power five. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Um, a change is coming. It's just a matter of time. It is. Uh, especially because, like, they don't – I mean, I think every G, every 
AD recognizes, especially with a season like this, that the SEC could still potentially get two in. It wouldn't be the first time. And I think they're kind of over that nonsense. Like, they're over the fact that their conferences have to be perfect. And and when you add Oklahoma, because that's the other thing, when you add Oklahoma and Texas in, that triggers a whole new ball game where it's like now you've got Oklahoma, if they assimilate well, which I think they will, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, whoever else is just rotating through really good, it's going to be hard to deny the SEC two teams the way it's currently built. So expansion has yeah. to happen. <laughs> it has to happen, and it will. It will, absolutely. Um, Anything else college football-wise? I mean, there's always so much. I, I think we've covered it, and I, I think until one of the top teams loses, the next few weeks are going to be the same type of talking points it's just a matter of which domino is going to fall first 100 percent agree with that and we've got some great it's coming down the wire we've only got a couple more weeks of college football and it will be the betting part of it will be interesting too because i'm very interested to see how they they handicap some of these games coming up um let's talk a little college hoops let's talk a little xavier ohio state let's talk a little xavier to begin with and i uh, this is not my homer take this is me being as neutral as can be Xavier versus Ohio State is one of the better out-of-conference early skates. Yes, it's not Duke-Michigan State or whatever, but like one of the low-key, very good games. And this is something I've been hoping for forever. I've been saying it to anybody who will listen, that I think, I don't know how you make it work, but you're from Cincinnati. I've been here since I was 18. This is a hotbed for college football. I mean, within about an hour and a half of each other, you've got Ohio State from Cincinnati, Kentucky, Louisville, Indiana is a little bit further than that. UC Xavier. We need to work some type of rotation where we're just kind of playing everybody in that beltway almost every year, I feel Mm -hmm. like. I don't know how you do it. I would love that. But we're sort of getting that. The Battle of Ohio a little bit this week. Um, Talk to me where you are at in your headspace because there are varying opinions on this whole thing. Well, specifically to the game, I am beyond pumped up growing up in Cincinnati, growing up a Xavier fan. Um, a lot of people won't remember, but 14 years ago, I bawled my eyes out at my friend's house who was an Ohio State fan because Ohio State beat Xavier at the buzzer and then beat them in overtime. Um, A lot of things had to go wrong, but a lot of people are calling this the Justin Cage revenge game. Nate, I don't even know if that name rings a bell for you. Justin Cage was a senior. This was his last game for Xavier. He He was like a... He was a role player. He was like a... I don't even know what the modern comparison is to him. He's like Hunter on the team now. Okay, yeah. Um, built similar to him, probably averaged maybe double-digit points. He had 27 points, did not miss a field goal, did not miss a free throw, was at the line. We were up by three with seven seconds left, and he missed his first shot of the game on the free throw. It went in and out. Ohio State went down, hit a three, beat us in overtime. One of the worst Xavier losses of my life, if not the worst, we can get into that discussion, but yeah, <laughs> this game means a lot to me. This is Justin yeah. Cage revenge game. That was a long interlude for me to get at this. I, I've been waiting for this game for years, yep. for years. I, um, I in regards to the matchup, do you, do you know much about Ohio State? I sincerely don't. I, I, I looked a little bit into them because I was trying to prep. This is the thing. I'm going to be honest with the crowd. Like It's still football season. My brain is 100% there. Same. So like, uh, same. I, I've done a little bit. They're not... They're playing pretty solid. I mean, they're averaging about eighty points a game. They're shooting almost they close to fifty percent. They played the same team as us. They had they played they, Niagara. They did, and they beat them eighty-four to seventy-four. We beat them sixty-three to sixty. A little bit more yeah, high yeah, score, I mean, but yeah. <laughs> um, their leading score is hitting at about a sixty percent rate. It, is I that mean, EJ Liddell. Yep, EJ Liddell. 
I do like him a lot. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> I do like him. Yeah. Um, we do have a slight advantage on the on the boards. Um, so that's nice. But uh I don't have that much outside of what I know about Xavier. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that on a night to night basis, if we're playing at Cintas, I think Xavier has the ability to play with almost anyone because the Cintas effect is real. But I also think that we can and we will lose to teams like Marquette at home or a Providence at home or maybe an Ohio State at home. Like that that's just who Xavier is now, unfortunately. Dude, we're water. We conform to whatever thing you put us in. Whoever we're playing against, we're gonna yeah, play with. You put us in Besides a bowl Villanova with... on the road. Yeah. Very true. Um God, thank God. How happy do you think Sumner is that he doesn't have to go into Villanova and get like absolutely destroyed physically every year? <laughs> I, I would be, yeah, I'd be ecstatic. And I, I, it's college football season for me, but I live out on the West Coast now. I got to go to UCLA Villanova last Friday night. I don't Ooh. know if you got to watch that game. Yep. It was incredible overtime game. And I left it thinking this is the Villanova I've seen the last eight years. They're still perfect. I know they lost, but like Gillespie is back. Yep. It's disgusting. Um, they go five deep. Every guy can score. Every guy can defend every position. It's the same Villanova team year in and year out. And I think Xavier is like remarkably behind them. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, I tweeted out Jay Wright and I I was very I had one too many that night, but yeah. <laughs> it was sort of joking, sort of not. But Jay Wright might be the best basketball coach in the country. When we legit think about it, Villanova was a great, like it's a, it's a historic program. Don't get me wrong, but what he's done at Villanova and transforming it into a power basketball school year in and year out, it's pretty damn impressive. Like he didn't step into a Kentucky like Calipari. You know, obviously we've got the situation with Michigan State. I think similar, where like you have a big budget to play basketball, you've got a deep deep ability to recruit but he made that program what it is like he's yeah. up there as one of the best college Izzo's, Izzo's up there for me it, honestly yeah. Jay Wright's my number one but Jay Wright might be the best basketball coach in the country right now and yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that's like necessarily arguable or it's arguable you, but like you've lost Roy Williams you're going to lose Krzyzewski yep. for my entire life those have basically been one two now you could argue for a Calipari or an Izzo Mark out Billy Donovan for a while. Yeah. Or yeah, Mark Few and Gonzaga. Like there are some other guys, but like year in, year out for me it was Shashevsky, Roy Williams. Um and honestly, Bill Self is up there too. Yep. Yeah. No Kansas is Kansas, but they also won the Big Twelve, which has been an impossible conference, like ten years in a row, something like that. Yeah. Um just... but yeah, for me. Jay Wright is the number one coach in college yeah. basketball right now. And it does suck. We are behind the eight ball. It's funny. The ESPN Power Index does have us favored in this matchup against Ohio State, which I was kind of shocked about. Um, but we are behind the eight ball. I mean, Chris Mack, I have very mixed feelings about him. I don't know what your feelings are. But he left us pretty bare at the time. Like, I am of the conspiracy theory mind that once he got Trayvon and JP in that recruiting class— he essentially just phoned. Like we got a couple recruits, transfers, guys like added pieces, but there I don't. There wasn't some huge effort to make sure that the cupboard was full when they were graduating, and he skipped town and he took a job that was giant. Don't get me wrong, in Louisville, and we come in with Travis Steele, who <sighs> the X's and O's have not been great, but the recruiting's been good. It, it, but we are still behind the eight ball when it comes to the team that we are trying to chase, and that is Villanova at the top of the or top of the conference. I think when we entered the Big East right at that blew it era style of basketball or style or era of Xavier basketball. 
Um, we were pretty clearly like the second ish best team in the Big East. We were like, if you had to choose besides Villanova, what school is going to win the Big East? Oh, Xavier. Yeah. And it, we were the only team, I think, since the new Big East has come around, we're the only team to win the title that isn't Villanova. I think that's regular correct. season. Yeah. Yeah. I think regular that's correct. Season. Yeah. Um, so when we entered, we, I mean, it was like 15 years in a row of solid Xavier basketball, missing the tournament maybe once. Yeah. Um, I mean, how we I were a one seed at one point. <laughs> we <laughs> like... were a one seed. I mean, that's what we were. And like, not that year in and year out, I expect to be a one seed, but no. year in and year out, we were a top seven seed. Dude, we were competing. It was like Sweet 16 was sort of becoming like a normal occurrence in yeah. our lives on a, like not a, every year, but like a pretty frequent basis. We were like, oh, we probably could go to the Elite Eight. And then, oh, we, we, we got a shot at maybe a Final Four here and there. Yep. Like, and very slowly, we have morphed into a middle of the table Big East team. Yeah. Like, we, like we, we think of ourselves, I think the Xavier fan base in general thinks of ourselves as ahead of the Marquettes, ahead of the Providences ahead of the Seton Halls. The last four, four years, we're not. Like, no. we're, we're in that boat. We're fighting to make the tournament. Yeah. Now, I would, you know, my argument for Travis Steele, I think uh, I'm going to ask you what you feel about him at the end of this little monologue. It, it, it's been tough because the first year, like I said, I the talent, the system, it just didn't fit. It was bad. Second year, should have been better. Last year, we were rolling up until about COVID hit. I mean, we played well. Until we, when we got hit with COVID, we practiced, what, like three times in the month of January or something yeah, crazy like that? And then it all fell apart. And Nate Johnson got hurt. Yep, Nate Johnson got hurt. Like, the injuries, it just, it all kind of crumbled. This is the year that there are no more excuses, I don't think, because you can't make the argument that there isn't talent on the team. There is absolutely talent on the team. You cannot sure. argue that there isn't even deep talent on the team. There are guys that can come off the bench and give you very good minutes, and there is a deep play there. You've got a big guy, a seven-footer, who we haven't really, I mean, we've had good big guys, I don't know if we've ever had a seven-footer, but, like, a guy that, like, we should be able to build a post-game with Stanley and when Fremantle comes back and Nunji and, like, we, we should be decent down there. And Miles, we have good guard play. Like, it, we should be very competitive. I'm not saying we should be winning the Big East, but we should be very competitive. The concern has always been, at least in my opinion, maybe you have a different opinion, Steele can recruit the hell out of it, I think. We've had some great recruiting classes. We have another one coming in. The X's and O's, the game plan the stubbornness to play Kiki when he's on fire in games, but whatever's going on in practice is just not clicking. The things that you see other coaches do, it just, it hasn't clicked, and that is the part that gives you, gives me hesitation, but I'm also not, at, like, there are guys that are like, ax him tomorrow. I'm more, let's see how the season no, plays yeah. out. <laughs> oh, for sure. I am as well. And similar to the Bengals organization, I I sincerely, even if we miss the tournament, I don't think we're firing Travis Steele. No, I think I think his job is safe. I'm not asking for him to be fired. I am asking for him to maybe be a little less stubborn. Oh, when it 100%. comes to you, you could make an argument that if Kiki was a starter playing 30 minutes a game, he's like a 20 point per game scorer. Like that's that's literally how I see him. He's a walking bucket most. Like he is yeah. whenever he comes in. It, it, and this is not an exaggeration for people who haven't played Z or seen Xavier. It'll be important when it comes to tournament. When he comes in, he is a shot in the arm to our offense, which at yeah. times is very. St I mean, we're only averaging sixty-eight points a game right now. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a complete difference maker in a way that we haven't really had at the guard position since we entered college. Like we had, you, you kind of missed the prime of two Holloway, Mark Lyons being our backcourt. But yeah, those we, guys were both walking buckets yeah. on the court. 
for three years together. They were amazing. Um, we really haven't had a backcourt like that since. I mean, we've had good players. Yeah, like Trayvon no and JP one, were pretty – like, they are outside of, like, good, but two. they were more, like, forward-ish. Like, yeah, they weren't, yeah like, true. Yes, yes, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, pure scoring point guards, I think, are tough to come by. Um, and I think we have one, but he uh, legitimately, I think he could play super well, and he's just not going to get that many minutes. Yeah. And the thing Still that, likes Odom. Yeah, I know. And I do like Odom. Odom's a solid player. But so do yeah, I. Kiki's got to play more. The other thing, too, is, like, the thing that's infuriating about this team for people in new context on this Ohio State team, like, I don't think I'd be betting Xavier. I'm going to be rooting for them, obviously, but I don't think I'd be picking or betting them. I haven't looked at the spread. I wouldn't yet. bet any line in no. Xavier's favor. No, but, like, you saw it in game one. We just, like, three-point hunt all game. And it's like, can we not try Like, Paul Scruggs, when he wants to get to the basket, he can get there. Now, there's an issue with maybe scoring, but, like, his dribble draw- penetration is fantastic. You know, we need to start to get our post game going. It was embarrassing. For, I think we had 12 total points in the first game um, in the post, and only two of them we came had, from an actual post move. Yeah, Most of well, it was like. We had one post move in the first game. Yeah. Like a one pure post move. <laughs> it's insane. Like, that's, that's the stuff good. where you're like, what are you, what are we paying you, Steel? What are you doing? Like, we're just jacking up threes everywhere. Um, so if we start to do those things, I, I like our chances, and I would like our chances in this game, but it's too much for this game to be like overly optimistic <laughs> yeah i think you're probably looking at a coin flip if i had to choose i'll take the sin toss advantage yep. I, I i do like us at home in most games just because there is a real difference in sin toss um and i think that goes for college basketball in general being the home team obviously matters but yeah i think we're looking at probably a coin flip probably comes down to who hits some shots down the stretch i hope it's us we'll see yeah we will see are we so for Steele's perspective we're tournament or I mean, I don't think we're firing him, like you said, but I think at that point I'm done. Like, it's just, it's over. <laughs> I, if you asked me after the Butler loss, like immediately after the Butler loss in the Big East tournament last year, I would have told you I'm probably done with Steel. And then, like, an offseason full of hype videos and <laughs> our TBT team happened and Steel was live tweeting it. And I'm like, all right, I like him. Yeah. I'm giving him another chance. Come back. Come on, Trav. Um, and I see that happening this year. I really, really hope I'm wrong. I'm a super pessimistic Xavier fan when it comes to Travis Steele era. Um, I sincerely hope I'm wrong. And there definitely is a chance I'm wrong. Because like you said, there is so much talent on this roster. Yeah. like We can go nine deep easily and still have quality guys out there. Um, I'm just not sure it's going to all come together. But I hope Paul Scruggs proves me wrong. Because I love Paul as much as any Xavier player maybe ever. I like that. All right. I'm good with that. Um, I'm with you, dude. I was thinking about when it was his last, like, I was like, it's his last year. I almost got a little emotional. I was like, damn, this is yeah. going to, it's going to suck when he's gone. Cause he has meant a ton. Yeah. Um, and he's been a hell of a player for us. Um, all right. Are you, you, uh, do a little gambling there? Line spreads. I have one. Oh. Of... <laughs> so I, I, I'm dead honest with you. I've quit gambling. That's I fair. am a I am a poor loser. <laughs> That's I've had fair. Some, I've had some rough Saturdays. We won't go through the board, but I did want to give one one opinion on a game because I saw, the spread jumped off the screen to me, and I was like, "Oh man, this feels interesting." It's college football, and then we'll wrap it up. Michigan State, Ohio State, nine and a, nineteen and a half points. Is the game in East it's, Lansing? No, it's in Columbus. I like Ohio State. I'll be like right off the bat. I sincerely like at the beginning. You were talking about Georgia's playing the best football in the country, which I think is true. 
I think Ohio State's right there. I was going to say, I'm sort of shocked it's not in the low 20s. I feel like that's an yeah. overreaction to just what's happened at, like last week. I, I'm kind of shocked this isn't like 21, <laughs> 23. I, it, I think Ohio State has some obvious holes on their defense. It isn't stellar by any means. Um, but their offense is clicking on a level maybe above anyone else in the country right now. It's incredible. Their wide receiver plays incredible. It's insane. And I feel like there are there are two games where people's minds are getting trapped in that Oregon game where CJ Stroud, brand new to the college scene, playing yeah, a defense was... that played it way better than they played since. Um yep. without their best player, granted. It wasn't good. But the kids come to an into his own. And people like I think still have that imagine and then they played Nebraska, who has been one of the toughest outs in the like they just can't finish. Yep. But they're the yep. they've played. I forget the stats. Like twenty games within like seven points in the Scott Frost area yep. or something. Yeah, crazy yeah. Like they that. just like, lose close games. Yeah, but they're crazy competitive, and I feel like those two games are just hurting people's impressions. But Ohio State's offense, I don't know if there's an offense out there that runs as efficiently most weeks, week to week, right now. No, I, I sincerely think they are the best offense in college football. I agree, and that's with a redshirt freshman quarterback who is coming to his who, own. Like who also might not be the starter next year. The Ohio State quarterback situation is unbelievable. It's unreal. so stupid. I I was thinking about that. that's a good point because I haven't been able to talk about. It. I don't understand how that room is as deep as it is because quarterbacks, especially in today's day and age with NIL now coming out and everything, like I can't. I don't understand what the recruiting pitch is to come to that competitive of a room when you're guys that could go play at any other school too. Like I get it, you want to play maybe for Ohio State, but that room is so deep, it's insane. They stole the number one recruit from last year's class from texas which i understand why you might want to leave texas but i would not want to go to ohio state no <laughs> like you're lucky to get a year there now like i think justin fields maybe was an exception but like this is this is ohio state going forward they're going to be qbu in the way that i think oklahoma has been for the last like seven seasons yep. where every year you have a heisman candidate playing quarterback I don't hate that take at all. I think that's 100% accurate. And it's crazy that they're sounding Because, like, it's not hard just to look two years ago when Joe Burrow left that quarterback room and then, what, set the world on fire with one of the best offenses we've ever that's, seen in college football? That's like, how deep it is. It's, yeah, that's it, how deep their quarterback room is. It just oozes talent, which is just cra- it, crazy. It baffles me. Because I get it, like the wide receiver position, running back position, how you can build a room like that. It's crazy when any school builds a quarterback room. Like they have, because they're all young too. It's not like there's a senior, like it's not a rotation out. Like guys are signing. It's like, oh, this no, guy's no, graduating. No. no, they're all like super young. <laughs> yeah, they recruited like I think it's three top fifty guys all at quarterback at yeah. the same like within a year or two of each other. It's How do you do that? Like, is it, like I still remember the Justin Fields situation with Georgia. Jake Fromm was the obvious starter there. Yes, and I know Justin Fields is from Georgia. But, like, Jake Fromm wasn't losing his position. It doesn't matter who it was. No. Jake Fromm, after his freshman year, I thought was like, oh, my God. Dude, I wrote a piece that, that amazing. I was like, he's going to be the next Peyton Manning. I look like the biggest idiot yeah. ever. I was like, this kid is amazing. I got over my like, skis. If he but, was yeah. going to the draft, he was the number one pick overall. Easy. 100%. Yes. 100%. Easy. Now, a ton of holes obviously came out in his game and in his personal life. Yes. But <laughs> I don't know how Georgia recruited Justin Fields. So you're going to go sit the bench. Yeah, And then he does eventually leave. And I think that's where college football is going is you're just going to have guys moving all the time, which yep. is okay. Like, I know people hate that, but I think like 30 years from now, that's just the way it's quote unquote always going to be like it, because we have seen it a different way. It's weird for us to see a change, 
I think change is okay. If you switch schools, you want to play for a new school. It's college sports. Like at the end of the day, 100%. like I, I just want to see good players play. Yep. I want to see a little but bit more parity with sport, a little bit more even keel across the board, and that's gonna help. For sure. Like that's I would only love that. Help. Yeah. Yep. And expanding the playoff will be a real big reason for why the, I think the sport will uh even out. An unintended consequence of the four team playoff is that all of the top recruits feel like they have to go to Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. See, like we just didn't see that when we created the playoff. But yeah. that is an unintended consequence of what occurred. Well, it's because we had such a bad system before where computers are ranking the yeah. top teams, and we were just like, give us any – we were desperate for anything at that time. Yeah, we got to get you on with Tim because Tim does not believe me when I say that it is going to create – like, people will go to other schools because they don't have to I go to those schools. Without any yeah. doubt. Because right now it's like, oh, I want to go play. If I'm the best recruit in the nation, I want to go to Clemson, Alabama, Ohio right. State. Like, that's because I want to go play in the playoff and have a chance to win. And you're going to be on national TV because of that all the fucking time playing against the all best the talent. Time. And you, yeah. All the time. And go look at the draft boards. See who's drafted <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> yeah. It's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Not hard. It's that, the transfer portal, NIL, it's going to make the sport interesting. It's The NIL is going to make, we briefly touched on it like a couple weeks ago. I think that's going to be a huge handicapping thing because we're going to see like in the NFL, if you're a quarterback who's making big NIL money and you're not taking care of your offensive linemen like quarterbacks do in the NFL or you're not taking care of your guys, similar situation to kind of the rumors we were hearing down in Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler there, like that's going to be interesting to see how people distribute their money as college athletes and if they give it to their teammates because that will be developing stories across the board and only creating bigger transfer issues. Um, not issues, but just like people flying all over the place, which I like once yeah. again. But again, it's just going to be different. Yep. I don't think anything's better or worse. It's just going to be different. Well, we talked about okay. this. You got to be forward link- thinking. Otherwise, you're going to end up like baseball. Like you got to be forward thinking. And if you're not, yes, the times will catch up to you. Just wait. We're having this World Cup conversation. Real hot take. This World Cup in the United States is going to put soccer ahead of baseball. Now, it might not be within five years, but our kids will like soccer more than baseball. I don't hate it. It's crazy to think about, but I, I know I it's don't. crazy to yeah. think about. But wait, I played this game with a friends over some beers a few days ago. Can you name a Seattle Mariner? Oh, God, no. Mm-hmm. Probably Maybe not, you no. pay attention to baseball more than no, I do. I can't. But the Mariners were one game away from the playoffs. I can't name you a single Seattle no. Mariner. Most of the country can't name the best player in like the past couple decades in Mike Trout. If you showed them a picture of Mike Trout, no clue who he is. <laughs> My girlfriend would have no idea who Mike Trout no, is. He's been... If I show her a picture of Tom Brady, obviously she knows. LeBron, she knows. Yeah. Mike Trout. No. And you're going to know soccer boys. I mean, hell, I know Christian already, and like I barely pay attention to the sport. Um, FIFA's changing it, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. People can people can name full rosters in a way that ten years they couldn't. It, that is the thing with the video. Like video games are a big part of this. Obviously, NBA's had exponential growth. I think through that um, yep. and being able to do and that. leaning on social media. Correct. Those are the two biggest areas. The UFC's doing that. We're seeing that now with their social media, also a video game. But like they are heavy. It's hard to miss when a big fight card's coming up. It's plastered. Everywhere, and you know who the stars and guess are. Guess which league doesn't care about social media at all? Yeah, <laughs> uh, MLB. If, yeah. if we showed a baseball highlight during this podcast and you posted it on Twitter, it'd get taken down. Take it out. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you want to know what I do on Twitter all day? I just watch NFL tape. Like that's yeah. literally all I do on Twitter. You're not allowed to do it in baseball. No, it makes no sense. It, it, it's just they want the game to die. And I honestly don't hate the soccer take. I would not be – game comes, it's gonna we take do time. well. Yeah, we have to do well, I think, take... as part of that. But, yeah. Oh, it, 
and I, in that World I'm Cup. I'm leaning on the fact that we will. We're going to have everyone in our prime, and I think that that will start the momentum that is already building. I like it. But this is a long-term play. <laughs> I don't think it. <laughs> it's come full circle. We started with soccer. Now we're coming back, and we're just shitting on yes, baseball. We're which, with soccer. Yeah. How do you not love that? Um, all right, before yeah. we head out, any final takes you want to rip off? Uh, anything we didn't get to? I think Georgia will not win the college football playoff. Whoa, what? <laughs> really? Who? Yeah. Who is beating Georgia right now? Ohio State. Oh, I hate it. Out of your mind. I, I hate it. <laughs> I hate. Look, I don't want to put this take into the world. I don't want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every time Ohio State loses at the beginning of the season, they end up becoming a force at the end of the season. I. I have seen Georgia like whittle in the biggest moments in their program's history. Don't be shocked when it happens again. Now I know Atlanta sports just won a title. Maybe it's all changing, but the death star that is Ohio state football, I really think has a chance to win the title. It, it, I, I won't say that. I will say this. We've got a couple of Georgia fans that listen um, and they have enjoyed my take that that Georgia is going to win the national championship. Uh, it, you're not unwrong about the withering and big spots because it is Kirby Bubble Boy smart. If he comes out and he turtles himself, yeah, it's a problem. Like, they have to stay aggressive. They have to stay aggressive defensively, and they have to stay aggressive. Like, he has to let Tom Munkin do his thing offensively. Yep. You cannot handicap Tom Munkin as we get to the end of the season. If he doesn't do that, I, I don't see anybody being Georgia. But I hope you're right. If I we, hope you're right. If we get Bubble Boy smart, and he comes out, and he stops being aggressive on defense, and he stops being allowing his offensive coordinator to be more aggressive on offense, and we start to see the true Georgia we've seen most years come out, well then, I don't hate your take. I, I Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Because, yeah, you're but, right. Ohio State, you, can't be, you have to be aggressive against. <laughs> yeah, and Ohio State's offense is just rolling in a way that really, really scares me. I think they're, I think they're really, really good. And yeah. I know they have problems, but I think they're really, really good. It's just that defense of Georgia is just, I mean, I know it, it, it appears to be different. Yeah, it appears to be like 2000 Ravens type of level oh, of defense. It's insane. Like an all timer. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. We, but we, if I had to give you a hot take to close the show on, all right. No all one's right. talking about Georgia losing. Like, everyone has convinced themselves they're unstoppable. That's my hot take. They're you not heard it here first, folks. This is why you come to Trophy Kids. We get a different opinion yep. ever because all you've been hearing from me is George is winning this damn thing. But yep. all right, that's I, my hot take. I hope I'm wrong. I like it. That'll uh, that'll wrap it up for us this week. We will be bringing Adam back. Don't worry. And uh, as always, peace. <laughs>